Welcome to Craft Life, episode 22, Sampler. In this episode, I have some special guests in the studio. Well, kinda. We'll tackle a tastier-than-usual Southernism. And we'll talk about stitches of a different sort. All this coming up in this episode of Craft Life, the podcast all about living the creative life. Hello and welcome to episode 22. I'm still here. Yes, I did not get picked up and blown away by all of the tornadoes that have hit North Texas since I last put out an episode. If you follow me on Twitter, um, I was kind of live tweeting the whole thing. I was at work at the time of the tornadoes and they rounded us all up and put us in the shelter area and we stayed there for about an hour, maybe to an hour and a half. Uh, it was, they told us that the tornadoes were headed straight for our building, so we took cover. Thankfully, we are in a building that is, that's pretty sturdy, and they have an area that is specifically designed to shelter from storms like these, so that's where we all congregated. Also, thankfully, Adam and I work together. We carpool to work, and we have lunch together, and so we were able to ride out the storm together, which is always, always nice to be with the ones you love whenever, when situations like that are, are pretty scary. I did hear on the news that all total, I believe they said there were 16 tornadoes that hit the North Texas area. Thankfully, though, I also heard that there were absolutely no fatalities. There have been some injuries um, in different areas, in particularly uh, a town called Forney, which is a little bit more north of where we are. Um, They did have some total home destruction and some injuries, but, but no deaths. So that... That is just absolutely amazing because if you've seen any of the videos of these tornadoes online, if you get a chance, um, go and see if you can find some of these. There are videos of of tractor trailers being picked up and swirled around just as if they were as light as a feather. So thankfully, we came through that very well without a scratch. Our, our house is still just fine. Our, our, our dogs who were home alone, who I was kind of worried about um, when they came through, because some of them did hit in Arlington, which is the area that we live in, um, but not at our house. So they were fine. Our, our house is fine and, uh, and we're good. So, so we are happy and safe and everything, everything came out okay for us after all the tornadoes. Now, North Texas is situated in, in the, the southern part of what is known as Tornado Alley, if you're not from the United States, this is, if you were to look at a map of the United States and you were to draw a thin oval that kind of bottomed out in North Texas and stretched almost all the way up to the, uh, to the United States-Canada border, that area is called Tornado Alley. And, uh, and that's where we're at. So <laughs> we get a lot of activity like that living in this area. Not so much in North Texas as maybe in the Oklahoma and, and Kansas area, but it's it, it can be pretty active, and it's something that even even in the South, even growing up in South Carolina, we did have a few tornadoes here and there, so it was not a brand new experience for me, but it, as always, is kind of a stressful one, because they can be very powerful storms. But enough of that. We're all good. Everybody made it through okay, and, uh, and yeah, and that's where we are on the tornadoes. 
I do want to update you on the house, as you know from our last from our last episode. I let you know that we are in the process of looking for a home. We have found a house that we like, and we are currently in the process of purchasing that. So we're thinking we're going to be moving at the beginning of June. Fingers crossed and everything goes well. That, that's what we're looking at for move time. So I'll, I'll keep you updated on that. And uh, if the podcast schedule changes somewhat around that time, I'll let you know ahead of time. And um, But that that will be why, because we are, we're looking forward to moving into a home of our own. Now, I said in the intro that we are going to be talking about stitches of a different sort today, and that's going to kind of be the theme throughout the podcast. So uh, so let's kick it off with some special guests that I had with me in the studio, kind of, and you'll see what I mean with this next segment. Since we are discussing different kinds of stitches in this episode, I thought it would be nice to bring in a few special guests, and you'll see why in just a minute. This week, I am pleased to welcome to the Craft Life Podcast, Roy, Moss, and Jen, the people who keep the tech in tip-top shape over at Renum Industries, and, of course, the three main characters in BBC Channel 4's The IT Crowd. We were just grabbing a bite to eat together, and they kindly agreed to allow me to record. So, Roy, Moss, Jen, welcome to the show, guys. Hello. Hello. I'm glad to have you here today. They have joined me today to chat about, well, about a streak of good luck that I ran into at the end of last year. One of my favorite podcasts I make, which is hosted by the very talented Martine, had a giveaway at the end of last year. I entered the giveaway... And when Martine announced the winner, I had won. That's brilliant. I know, I was so excited. And the grand prize was my choice of a counted cross-stitch kit from Stitchtastic. I'm sorry, are you from the past? What? No, I'm not from the past. You know, even though counted cross-stitch is one of the oldest forms of embroidery, it is not an old-fashioned hobby. Yes, it is. No, Moss, it's not. Have you seen the cross-stitch creations of Bombastic, or UCLA Dock, or New York Needleworks? Yeah, I didn't think so. Well, what about you, Jen? Surely the other lady in this group would be a bit more inclined to work a few stitches in in a more modern kind of cross-stitch design? I would honestly rather sleep with a rat. Seriously? So you're, you're pretty well decided against the whole idea? Yes, yes I am. Well, I think the three of you will change your mind once you see the kit that I picked out. Let me just get it out of the bag here. Hold on just a second. All right, so, all right, Roy, now what does it say right there? Have you tried turning it off and on again? Oh, that's close enough. This is a really cool pattern by Patrick Scott, which, which looks like a computer circuit board. It comes with four different sayings, the first of which... Have you tried turning it off and back on again is the one I'm going with. But I could have also chose um, when life gives you questions, Google has answers. No, I won't fix your computer. Or to err is human, but to really screw things up requires a computer. Now, the finished project measures 11.5 by 11.5 inches. And this kit comes complete with everything I need. It's got a black and white chart the cross-stitch fabric, all of the embroidery thread that I need, a needle, and complete instructions. So I would say it's a great choice even for a beginner. 
So, so Jen, now that you have seen the actual cross-stitch project, what do you think about it? How nice is this? Yeah, I think it's pretty nice. Well, guys, what about either of you? Any new thoughts on this rather computer geeky take on counted cross-stitch? Leave it with me. Uh, no. If you wanted the kit, Moss, you should have entered the giveaway. Yes, right. Hey, don't worry about it. Look, if you really like this one, you can go over to the Stitchtastic website and pick one up for yourself. And the same goes for you, my awesome listeners. Well, Jen, Moss, Roy, it was great to have you on the Craft Life podcast today, and thanks so much for letting me record while you're in the middle of dessert. Uh, but before we, we wrap up here today, look, if you could just take a look at this right here. You see when I when I do this? See that pop-up? Yeah, I don't know what that is. If there was anything that you might could do, I don't know, make it Cheer wine. Noun. Definition. A favorite soda with a hint of cherry flavor created in North Carolina. Usage example. Nothing beats the summer heat like a cold bottle of cheer wine. Today's southernism is not so much a southernism as it is a southern soda. Cheer wine is one of my all-time favorite sodas. I'm not a really big soda drinker, but but I love cheer wine. Now, it's very hard to find outside of the Deep South. The, the further you get out of the North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida area, the, the more increasingly difficult it is to find cheer wine. Now, in those states, you can, you can usually find two liter bottles, much like you would Coke or Pepsi, uh, in the grocery store and, and in the coolers at, at filling stations and, and places such as that. But out here in Texas, it is much more difficult to find. I was able to find a few bottles from a specialty candy slash soda shop that 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 is about a 45-minute drive away, but I did make the drive because I was craving some cheer wine. Now, just a few facts about cheer wine. Cheer wine was created in 1917 in Salisbury, North Carolina by a general store owner named L.D. Peeler. The base of the Cheerwine flavor was discovered when L.D. Peeler bought some pretty interesting cherry flavoring from a traveling salesman, and he then blended those flavors together, tried a few experiments, and, uh, and eventually the Cheerwine flavor was born. Another fun fact is that in the 1940s, much of the old signage was used in the creation and repair of naval ships, so sailors of that era have claimed to have seen the faint image of a Cheerwine logo imprinted in the hull of the USS Intrepid. Dwight Eisenhower and George Bush Sr. are the only two known presidents to have tried Cheerwine. So that's a, that's a little bit of a, a quick history and fun facts on Cheerwine for you. Now, I went out of my way to find to find some Cheerwine for me because it's hard to find around here, but... Cheerwine also has a collection of what they call um, legendary tales of people who have done crazy things to get their hands on some Cheerwine. And uh, I'm going to play a little clip of one of those for you that, that just proves that I am not the only Southern transplant who, who would go out of her way to get her hands on a little bit of Cheerwine. 
Loaded down with a fresh batch of the South's finest, two boys fly through the dusty back roads of North Carolina, pushing their souped-up shore bed past its limits and over the Tennessee border. Their rendezvous point, the same as it is every Sunday morning, a Tennessee church where their contact, the Reverend Johnson, delivers the sermon, eagerly awaiting his weekly shipment. He's a North Carolina transplant who will stop at nothing to get a taste of home. And the cargo? Cheerwine, that singular soft drink of the South with a taste that always surprises. It seems folks who live outside our lines of distribution will do anything to get Cheerwine, even if it means employing bootleggers. Well, good news. So Reverend once Johnson. I got my Cheerwine home from the store, I, I had a few bottles in the fridge, and I decided I wanted to try to do a bit of cooking with it. So I grabbed one of my favorite cookbooks and flipped through it and found an old recipe for a 7-Up cake. Now, I've heard of 7-Up cakes and Coca-Cola cakes before, and after looking at the 7-Up cake, it looked like something I might could modify to work well with cheer wine. So I've done that, and um, I'm actually going to post that recipe on the recipes page at craftlifecentral.com. So if you head on over to the website, you can see the cheer wine cake recipe for yourself. And if you give it a try, leave me a comment and let me know how that goes. So what have I been crafting and making lately? Well, as I said in the intro, we are sort of talking about stitches of, of, some, of things other than knitting. Uh, one of the projects I've been working on, I've, I've been doing a little bit of sewing. Now, I'm, I'm a pretty good sewer. I can't make tailored clothes, but I can follow a pattern pretty well. And when I started this particular project, I thought it was going to be something I was going to be able to to recommend to you uh, if you are a new sewer, but that is not the case. Recently, I was given a, a roll of fabric by a friend of mine who has a who has a three-year-old daughter, and it was one of these these fabrics that have the the sewing pieces printed directly on the fabric. So it's supposed to be really easy. You just buy you know, a pattern's worth of the fabric, you cut out the pieces that are already outlined and printed on the fabric and, and just sew them up and they're ready to go. Easy, simple, right? Well, it was pretty easy and simple, but I think it's because I have sewn before and I have followed patterns before. The instructions for this small little pair of pants uh, were, were also printed on the fabric and the pieces were marked as front and back for the different pieces of the pants. However, if I had not sewn pants before, I don't know if I would have known how to piece them together because the instructions were not really clear on that. The pants turned out absolutely adorable and, and I hope she gets a lot of wear out of them. But if you are a new sewer and you think you might like to try your hand at sewing and and you see one of these easy to sew patterns that are already printed on the fabric, I would suggest maybe maybe staying away from that as a first project. Go ahead and get a, maybe a simplicity pattern, something that has very few pieces, that's, that's just a very basic pattern, and work from the pattern to the fabric to the finished project instead of getting the, the printed fabric that's already that's already kind of patterned out for you. I think you will you will learn a lot more in the process and probably feel a lot more confident as a sewer on the back end of that. So that's just my advice. If you're looking to try your hand at sewing and are still fairly new, go, go with a standard pattern first. 
Another thing that I've been up to more on the fiber side of crafting is the Dallas Fiber Fest. The Dallas Fiber Fest took place two weekends ago in Grapevine, Texas, just as it did the year before. And the the vendor show was was pretty comparable to the year before as well. Most of the same vendors were there. In fact, they were in most of them were in the same uh, booth, had the same booth assignments that they were in from the year before. So so everything looked very familiar when I walked through. There wasn't a lot of new things, which which I was kind of bummed about. Um, but the vendors that were there did have some very lovely things. Now, we showed up at about noon, which means we showed up at lunchtime. And when we walked into the vendor show, every person at their booth was having their lunch. And I I really wanted to kind of have some conversations with some, some specific vendors that, that I remembered from the year before. But, you know, I hate to bother people when they're eating because if it was me and you have a mouthful of food and people are trying to talk with you and it would just seem all very awkward. So unfortunately, we we didn't hang out long enough for everyone to get finished with their meal so that I could go back and have and have maybe some interviews with some of the vendors. Um, so I would recommend if you go to a fiber show, if you're not going for the whole day to to try to avoid meal times because that that really was something I wasn't planning for and didn't think about ahead of time. But it really did kind of throw a wrench in the works. I didn't purchase many things, but I did make a purchase at the Fiber Fest. As I was visiting the booth of A Twist in Time, I ran across some gorgeous 80-20 merino silk blend roving. This roving is so beautiful. It looks like the sky maybe on an overcast day. It's got shades of, of gray, anywhere from light to dark gray, with some little streaks of blue in there, and it feels so soft. I know it's going to be a joy to spend. I purchased eight ounces of that, and as soon as I can get my Icelandic roving off of the spindles, I will be working on this one. I am still working on spinning the Icelandic roving that was given to me by Lilibet on Ravelry. I am really close to being finished with that, so as soon as I have that done, I'll, I'm very excited to get this merino silk roving onto the spindles. I was also on a quest. I was looking for a quest yarn at the Fiberfest. I did not find it, but uh, but but I did give it a good solid effort. You see, I'm looking for a very specific yarn. I'm ready to make the owl sweater. It's been in my queue for a while, and and recently, it's, it's kind of just jumped to the forefront of, of one of those things that I need to make. And for about the past two months or so, I've been looking for the perfect yarn for the sweater. Since it is an owl sweater, I started thinking along the line of snowy owls. And just the, the beautiful white of a snowy owl with just the little gray flecks that they have. So I'm looking for a chunky yarn that is white to off-white. I'd go with off-white that has flecks of gray. It, it could even maybe be a tweedy, type, a, a tweedy yarn, even maybe as much gray as that, but I cannot find this yarn anywhere. The closest that I've been able to find is a Patton's yarn um, that, is, that is sort of white to off-white and has some gray and some blue flecks in it that may wind up being what I decide to go with in the end, but until I make that purchase, I'm still looking for this yarn. So if you know of a chunky yarn, a, ch a chunky wool superwash, it's got to be superwash because I will put it in the washing machine, a chunky superwash yarn that is white that has gray flecks in it, 
if you know of this yarn, I am on a quest for it. Please send me a message on Ravelry or leave me a comment in the show notes to this episode and let me know because I'm, I will find this yarn. I'm determined. So other than the Dallas Fiber Fest and the little bit of sewing on the pair of pants that I've been doing, I've also been doing a bit of atomic embroidery. Now, by atomic, I mean uh, sort of a atomic mid-century feel of embroidery. You see, I've got this new house in my sights. I'm very excited to be able to move into a house that we own, that I can redecorate and do whatever I choose. And I have a very specific idea for my kitchen. And the design of the kitchen is going to be around a set of plates by the Salem Company. And they put out a set of plates that they called North Star, which which has a sort of a, a turquoise, tealy, uh, brown and black star design. Um, not like a five-pointed star, but you'll see what I mean. I'll put pictures in the show notes. It's kind of hard to explain, uh, but I've been collecting this these plate patterns, and this is kind of going to be what I base my kitchen design around. So I was looking at these plates the other day, and I thought, you know what? I really would like some tea towels that have this design on them. So I went to the craft store, and I bought just plain tea towels that, that are meant to be embroidered on, and embroidered this pattern on them. And it's really easy to do, and if you are at all into cross-stitch or embroidery, and you haven't tried uh, putting your own designs on pillowcases or tea towels or whatever it is that you would like to embroider, it is really easy, and this is how I did it. So the first thing that you want to do is to draw or find a picture of the pattern that you would like to embroider. In my case, I took a photograph of the plate and then blew that up to the correct size for the tea towel. Then you can approach this in two different ways. First of all, you can take an iron-on transfer pencil, and you can get this at your local craft store. You take this pencil, you flip your design over, and you trace it on the back of the paper that you've either drawn it or printed it out on. Once you've traced that, you can iron that design directly onto the fabric that you would like to embroider. If you don't have an iron-on transfer pencil, you can also get fabric carbon paper, which is much like the old typewriter carbon paper, if you remember this. It goes behind whatever it is that you're drawing or typing on. In this case, it would be drawing on, and it transfers the pattern directly onto the fabric as well. Only in this case, you don't need to turn the pattern over. You can trace around it exactly on the front of the pattern and it will come out on the other side. Now this is the route that I went. I used blue carbon paper. You, again, you can find this at your local craft store. It came in packs of blue and yellow and I would imagine the yellow would be for a darker fabric, but since I used a white fabric, I went with the blue carbon paper. It did transfer onto the fabric. However, it was very, very light and I had I had a hard time seeing the pattern unless I held my embroidery at just the right angle. So if you're going to do to do that route, um, maybe trace over it a few times because you really want to get that line dark enough to where you can see it whenever you're ready to remove any bits of the of the carbon color that's still on your fabric, they're very easy to get rid of. In this case, you could kind of just dust it off or maybe use a pencil eraser to get rid of it. Now once you have your pattern, on your fabric, the next step is to embroider it. In my case, I used three different types of stitches, cross stitch, satin stitch, and back stitch. These are the only three stitches I know. So these are the only three stitches that I use. I'm not a prolific embroiderer. 
I know enough to get by, but enough to do what I want to do. So I will have links to each of these three different stitches for you in the show notes. If you're not familiar with one, you can check it out and, um, and use it maybe for reference if this is something that you would like to try. One tip that I would like to give is that in my case, since I, since I use cross stitch for a portion of the fabric, I'm not really good at eyeballing um, my crosses and just freehanding them so that they're all the same size and they're all just the right shape. So when I trace my pattern onto my fabric, I like to do this over the top of a piece of graph paper. And that way, the sections that you would like to cross stitch, if you take your pen and just dot each of the corners, the squares in the graph paper that are within your cross stitch section. Once you remove the carbon paper and the graph paper, you're, you're left with your pattern, but your cross stitch sections already have little dots laid out in a grid pattern, which is exactly where you'll want to put your needle when you make your X's. So that's just a tip to make it a little bit easier for you if, if, if you're wanting to do a bit of the cross stitch pattern in your embroidery. But I did finish that in one weekend, which, which is a good weekend project. And um, I will have a picture of the finished project up on the show notes. Um, and I'm very pleased with the way it turned out. I think it's going to be a great addition to my new kitchen. And uh, now I'm debating on whether or not to make a second. Hmm. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. But if I do, I'll let you know. And that is pretty much, pretty much all the crafting that I've been up to lately. Before I sign off today, I would like to ask your opinion on something. I've been considering possibly closing down the Treacle Inc. Facebook page. I don't see a lot of people visiting the page very often, and it's not somewhere that I visit quite often and do a lot of things. I'm not very active over there. So if you have an opinion one way or the other, get in touch with me. Leave a comment at the bottom of the show notes for this episode, or you can send me a message on Ravelry, or there are tons of other ways to get in touch with me. So um, let me know if you have a strong opinion one way or another, and I'll let you know in the next episode what I wind up doing. And if you do have a strong opinion one way or another, as always, you can email treacleandink at hotmail.com. You can visit the website craftlifecentral.com. You can find me on Ravelry and for now, Facebook as Treacle and Ink. You can also join the Craft Life group in Ravelry and you can follow me on Twitter where my name is Craft Life. Join me again in the next podcast episode when we'll celebrate the blues. Until then, thanks so much and have a great week.